What's up, podcast world? Lee Money here, the host of Money's Crazy Mind. Check out Money's Crazy Mind every Wednesday night on Redline Radio LLC from 8.30 to 10.30. Just go ahead and follow the Redline Radio LLC page on Facebook, or you can also follow Money's Crazy Mind podcast on Facebook. And every time we go live right at 8.30, you will see a notification come across your screen that says that we are live. Now, this episode is probably going to be the last episode that I'm going to do these updates for. Or, they're not really updates, I guess. They're, they're intros. They're introductions to the episodes. You know, if you guys scroll down and look at all the old episodes of Money's Crazy Mind, you're going to find two other episodes that say Chris Benoit on them. And if you listen to the end of the second episode, I said that I wanted to do exactly what we do in this episode of Money's Crazy Mind, and that's kind of talk and debate about whether or not Chris Benoit deserves to be in the WWE Hall of Fame, considering the horrific murders of his wife Nancy and his son Daniel. So, wrestling fans, check out this episode. True crime fans, check out this episode. But go back and listen to episodes one and two of the Chris Benoit series so that you have the complete story of my side of what I think of Chris Benoit. But check this episode out as well. What's up? What's up? (laughs) What's going on, everybody? What's going on? So I got some special guests in the studio here with me this week. Uh, You guys remember them from Hot Tag Wrestle Corner. Uh, I got Clint. And Rob in the studio here with me this week, and we are going to be uh, talking about a, something uh, pretty interesting and pretty close to our hearts here. Um, but before we get to that, something really, really interesting happened uh, just a couple of hours ago. Um, I know that we were talking about it briefly before we went on the air here, but uh, Bill Cosby, ladies and gentlemen, uh, managed to beat becoming the latest member of rich and stupid by being able to get out of prison on a technicality. Uh, Apparently what happened was um, he had made a deal with the former prosecutor on the case and uh, the Supreme Court ruled that Bill needed to be let out of prison due to this technicality where he, he made a deal with the prosecutor where if he admitted to doing all the things that he was being accused of, that he would have no charges brought against him. And obviously that prosecutor left the case. Another prosecutor took over the case and Bill was tried and obviously convicted and was supposed to spend three to 10 years in prison. And he was able to be released today on that. Whoa, the whole damn table just moved. Uh, my bad. Turning my volume down. No, you good, Rob. You good. Oh, good All right. I gotta do that too. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, real quick here, why don't you uh, tell a little bit about who you guys are and uh, what you guys used to have a show here on Redline called uh, Hot Tag Russell Corner. Uh, so, um, how did you guys get into pro wrestling, and um, uh, how did you guys decide to start that show and everything? Uh, just uh, being longtime fans. Uh, we met cause we worked together formerly at a uh, car parts warehouse mm-hmm. and, uh, I just happened to, I can't even remember how the conversation really came up. Cause we used to talk a lot of sports there cause he worked in a completely different department. He was like, uh, 
more uh, sh- shipping, I guess I would say. Okay. Yeah. And checking parts and stuff like that. And I was um, inbound. So I'm putting parts away, bringing them off trucks, stuff like that. But we'd always have big-ass sports conversations amongst the departments in the back. And then somehow we stumbled into a conversation about wrestling. Mm-hmm. And then I started just picking up on, like, his vibe of it. Right. And noticing. So I kind of just brought him in. Originally, I brought him in. The original epitus of our show now was a, just a sports show, and we talked about wrestling in, like, the last 30 minutes. But it was, mm-hmm. like, a two-and-a-half-hour sports show. The last 30 minutes would be wrestling, or two-hour show, last 30 minutes of wrestling. So we decided just to cut the sports off and just stick to just wrestling just because we felt like, like, fuck it, let's go with that. Right. Um, and so we've been doing this now for close to uh, – it's been a while. It's been close to six years. Wow. Something like that. Jesus, it's been that more. long? And yeah, we met in 2015, so it's been <laughs> about six years. Um, and, uh, yeah, I got into pro wrestling uh, as a little kid because I'm the baby of three older brothers. Okay. So I always got beat on <laughs> and stuff like that. And uh, we watched wrestling a lot back then. So we were uh, – I'm not going to say we were a particular house of, like, WWF or WCW or whatever, mm-hmm. but I watched a lot. I used to watch a lot of grainy ECW on my TV yes. when he used to come on Channel yes. 35. 35, the cat. We, yeah. Yep, we didn't have cable. You had to kind of adjust the dial halfway in Man, between to I get had, it to come I in. Because if you did the full click, and everything. if yep. you did the full click, it was still fuzzy. Yep, and yep. So you had to get the half click, and then yep. you'll get Joey Styles in. So that was pretty dope. I used to watch hardcore TV like that. And then my favorite match of all time is Hell in a Cell 98. Okay. So that okay. was that was kind of where just it was in my blood at that point. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I kind of fell out of it for years just growing up. Nothing wrong with wrestling, just kind of, you know, life and growing mm-hmm. up and stuff like that. But I always kind of had it on in the background, you know, saying SmackDowns through the early 2000s, the Booker T. Stone Cold few days and stuff like that. Fell out of it a little more from there, and then my nephew got into it, so I also got back into it by taking him to shows that would come here and stuff. So right. I've been like every fast lane that's been in Cleveland. We've okay. the TLCs that've been here. We've done pretty much every Raw and SmackDown, other than the one that's about to come up. We've done every one in pretty much the last four or five years. Cool. Yeah. Well, what's your take on this whole Bill Cosby thing? Uh, <laughs> he of the roofy pudding pops. Uh, <laughs> the, the, I, uh, he got it's off the on the technicality. He and the poo poo. Exactly. <laughs> but now he's. I, they can't retry him because of like double jeopardy, double jeopardy I don't yeah. think. So he's off. And he did almost serve three years because he did. He went into jail prior to the pandemic. Right. So I'm not sure if it was 2019 or 2018, but he did. The, the close trial to two. was in 2019. Uh, so he was arrested in 2018. The trial was in 2019, so as long as the trial didn't take a year like it did for OJ, he he's he's been in jail two years. Yeah, so I would say that. I mean, he was going to say three to ten, so we only had another twelve year months to go. to go. Yeah, yeah. they could have easily he let already, him out. He already been denied parole once though because he refused to join the sex offender registry because he doesn't want to admit that he is. Yeah. So now does he not have to still, even nope. though he's technically guilty of these crimes? No, uh, since he was released on a technicality, then his entire conviction was vacated. So he's, wow. it's like it's like it never happened. But unfortunately, since the trial already happened and has been concluded and everything like that, it still falls under the rules of double jeopardy. Now, here's my next question is how do all these women get at him in a civil suit? Because I feel like that's coming around the corner because they couldn't get him in the court of law to put mm-hmm. him behind bars. Or they did and it got flipped on some bullshit. Right. Now they're going to have to come at his pockets. That's how it always works. Well, that's what they did with OJ. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll be seeing the uh, the Bill Cosby civil suit coming up. And I've never heard him cry broke. 
So I'm pretty sure <laughs> those well, that's pockets actually are pretty a lot deep. of the that's actually a lot of the comments that I was seeing today is like this just goes to prove that if you have enough money you can make even, you know, four hundred counts of sexual assault disappear. So Man, it was that many? Kinda. Wow. Kinda. There there you know, it, it's a lot of the he said, she said, you know, stuff, but I think they got him on almost forty counts. I think it was almost forty that that that, that original trial was for. So okay, <laughs> it should be interesting. Uh, Clint, what's your side of the uh, the hot tag wrestle thing, and also your your thoughts on uh, Bill uh, on the hot tag side? Yeah, basically everything he said. He got me into radio. I mean, <laughs> like I remember our first show. I was like nervous as hell. I didn't know to say like, well, I think that's everybody. Yeah, I mean, I was, like I was the one thing there, he told me to do. My heart beating on the <laughs> microphone. My first show. The one thing he told me to do. He was like, one thing you can't do. He was like, you can't cuss. Oh come on! Fuck that shit. No, um, where we were doing the show at? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I got, I got, I did it myself a, and got fine. I had a mouth like I, I spew cuss. Oh, words. were you on regular terrestrial radio? <laughs> no, we were. Um, so I went to school at Ohio Media School, oh, okay. and we were doing our show originally there after I graduated. Yeah, and um, you can't swear. Yeah. I was doing a high school football show. Oops. I, and actually, it was ironic because I was covering a game at Parma. Came back and was doing the post-game show. Uh-huh. And I, I, the conversation wasn't even about college, high school football. I think we were mm-hmm. talking about the Yankees at the time. And somehow I swore because, you know, I, you know my I passion know how you are with the Yankees. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, dropped the, I dropped the F-bomb. And the whole room was like, whoa! Everybody <laughs> dropped their headphones and shit. I was like, oh, my bad, my bad. And then they got back. So I was suspended from the air for like a week mm-hmm. after that. And then they always gave me side eye. Even though, like, the higher-ups were cool with me and they knew that, like, well, he served his punishment for whatever. Yeah. Like, the dude that ran the station part gave right. me side eye and, and oh, fucked us course. over from then on. Of course. <laughs> he never, like, like, when there was shit that was open, he said, well, I got to keep it open for students. I'm like, bro, nobody's did this shit in three or four months. Obviously, mm-hmm. no students want this slot. Oh, well, I still have to keep it open for students. It's because I swore. If I wouldn't mm-hmm. have swore, it probably wouldn't have been the same. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Yeah. Just being a dick. Uh, so my fiance world. says, "Hey guys." So hello, hello. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So what's your uh, take on? Yeah, the, uh, my fault. Back to no, the good. whole thing with getting into it. He basically yeah. got me into it. I mean, I was a wrestling fan, so like, right. atti- I'm an attitude era guy. Yeah. I mean, to see a man in a suit get his ass whooped constantly <laughs> by, <laughs> like, you're like, he get to kick his boss's ass. Like, right, 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 right. Again, of course, same thing, me and my brothers, we used to always have a wrestling matches. Yeah. Uh, we had a bunch of people over, Royal Rumbles, because I mm-hmm. had, like, a big porch, so it was like, you could do a Royal Rumble, throw people over, uh, Tossing people into bushes. Yeah, basically. <laughs> basically. <laughs> it, was like lo- it was, like, high enough to where could nobody get seriously hurt. Right, right, So right. it's like, okay, cool. Like, so but it's still, like, six ju- feet off the ground, so it looks like a wrestling yeah, ring. So yeah, you have to adjust your landing, like, right. to make sure you don't. Not like, necessarily top rope. Don't do no pipe, from the Indians. Don't do nothing like that where you yeah. mess yourself up real bad. Did he run straight into the wall or something? I know he said he broke his arm the other day, but I didn't see oh, it. He broke his ankle. Uh, Ow. Gruesome, gruesome injury, too. Oh, I'm going to look it up. <laughs> now I'm going to look it up. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, when it comes to wrestling, for me, I really don't have a favorite wrestling match because mm-hmm. it's like, Jay, I just like watching. Ma- I've been watching a lot of old matches. I love watching yeah. old matches. Yeah. I mean, I'm a Macho Man guy. Like, my favorite wrestler was Bret Hart. But when I started watching more and more about Macho and Dennis promos and the way he treated Elizabeth, like, what's the name back then? I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth, get over there. Like, all that. He used to talk like that. The spotlight should be on top of me. And like, Yeah, I mean, behind the scenes, it sounds like Macho was a big asshole to Elizabeth, but... He was overprotective. He oh, was yeah. super overprotective. Like, they said one dude, I think they said he, like, 
he, he, burped, he, was, he burped or something right in front of Miss Elizabeth. And they said Macho Man like beat him down. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Apologized to Miss Elizabeth for that. Well, when they were going through their first divorce, she was staying with Linda and Terry Balea. And he was calling the Hogan household like every five minutes. Let me talk to Elizabeth, brother. And, and you know, Linda was finally getting fed up with it and like pulled the phone cord out of the wall because she got tired of him calling. Yeah. But, um, um, but yeah, the whole thing on Bill Cosby, I mean, he got out. It may have been a technicality. Yeah. But technically at the same time, no, I mean, he honored his deal, the whole situation. Right. Got changed around, resulted him getting out. I mean, yeah. that's not his fault. No, <laughs> not at all. Not that's at the all. state's fault. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't have, don't have prosecutors. Clap at Bill Cosby. You got right. come at the state for fucking that. Yeah, up. yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't have prosecutors sitting here making deals and then you know dropping out of the trial. Like, exactly. I mean, basically, you know. Yeah. Shout out to to Rudy because she's the only one that had his back through the whole thing that used to do shows with him. Yeah, like, she would go with him to all the uh, his hearings and everything. She's the only one that had his back. Yeah, she defended him throughout that, that, that entire thing. Yeah. All right, guys. So, unfortunately, we're going to be talking about one of the darkest parts in the history of professional wrestling, and that is in no way a pun to Dark Side of the Ring, which did cover this as the season two premiere. Uh, but we're going to be talking about um, probably one of the most entertaining uh, wrestlers of all time, uh, probably one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And, you know, I'm not glorifying a murderer here. And if anybody thinks that that is what's going on, you know, feel free to stop watching the show. But you cannot talk about what happened with Chris Benoit and the murder of his family without talking about how great of an in-ring performer Chris Benoit was. And that is something that has been talked about ever since. But that's exactly what we're going to do here today. We're going to talk about Chris's career. Unfortunately, we're going to talk about... We quit dropping shit over there. Man, I'm trying to... <laughs> it's this case. It's this case. It won't hold on to the phone. Yeah, the, I can't put my phone case up there on those either. Yeah, um, if I take it off, I know something's going to happen where I'm going to drop it and I'm going to crack it. Yeah, of, of course. <laughs> of course. Um, you know, but we're going to talk about the, the murders um, in some detail. Yeah. And then I want to have a nice little friendly debate on whether or not we think... Chris Benoit should be in the WWE Hall of Fame or not. And there's another aspect to that as well as, you know, saying that Nancy Benoit, with all of her contributions to the to the business of professional wrestling, should she be in the WWE Hall of Fame? But for me, I, I'm kind of like you guys, you know. Um, Rob, actually, your story into professional wrestling is a lot like mine. I, too, was big into ECW. I am probably the definition of a Paul Heyman guy. <laughs> like, like it was like for me, it was nothing but ECW when I first got into wrestling because it was so ultra realistic. It didn't really have much to do with the violence aspect of it. The, the, the hardcore quote unquote aspect of ECW. It's just the fact these characters looked real. They didn't have gimmicks. You know, they yeah. weren't like DDP, who had pretty much every gimmick in the book until, like, 98, when they finally dropped all of his gimmicks. So, for me, go, turning to mainstream wrestling, that didn't, you know, the WWF at the time and WCW, mm -hmm. that didn't happen until the birth of these guys. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it was when I heard that Hogan turned heel that I finally was just like, wait, Hogan turned heel? You, you gotta be shitting me. He's not the say your prayers and, and all that shit anymore. So I turned on Nitro the night after Bash at the Beach, and I'm just like, 
holy shit, Hogan turned heel. So, I, you know, I started watching Nitro, and then, you know, that was when, you know, the Austin 316, all of that stuff was happening around the same time. Yeah. So, you know, I started watching WWF, too. But before that, it was all ECW for me. And one of the guys that really, you know, obviously with the NWO was the main reason why I was tuning into Nitro. But one of the guys that was sitting there had me just going every week was Benoit and those great matches that he was having. Yeah. And this is right around the time when Kevin Sullivan was booking his own divorce. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, so you could kind of see the dynamic of that changing. And then not too long after that, the Dungeon of Doom kind of just disappeared, you know, from the screen altogether. It's a good thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, damn mm-hmm. good thing, damn good thing. Um, <laughs> ah, it's not hot. <laughs> Still my favorite Hogan moment ever. <laughs> It's not hot. <laughs> I yeah, might be able to book heels, but I can't book this show anymore. You know, that's horrible, Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and Eric Bischoff still to this day says that Kevin Sullivan's one of the greatest heel bookers of all time. And, I mean, that might be true, but that Dungeon of Doom storyline was just bad. <sighs> yeah. Horrible. Horrible way to book the Giants. I too. mean, it was a combination of a lot of things that made it bad. Well, Terry yeah. Taylor was booking back then, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> then you had Hogan bringing in all his buddies over. So yep. you had the Zodiac, which was just Ed Leslie. Oh, Leslie you had the fucking Shark, which was... Uh, 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 John Tanta. John Tanta used to be fucking Earthquake and mm-hmm. shit. and It was just bad. He was bringing over all his old buddies out. Tanta walking around with half a fucking head shaved. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was terrible. Yeah, <laughs> long. But, uh, but yeah, but, Benoit was somebody that stood out. But yeah, you know, and screen, watch WCW. Oh my God. You know, the, and that cruiserweight division was what made WCW hot. The first hour of the show, which was crazy because <sighs> it's weird. I love talking about these things. I love mm-hmm. reminiscing. And I'm almost right. like, I feel like I wish I could be a kid now because they have so many advantages in their mm-hmm. life. But they've missed out on so much from the past. Like, okay, and I feel so bad you enjoy. That Peacock is editing. Exactly. A lot of these great moments. Exactly. So you get Raw on Mondays, and you get yeah, you get wrestling Monday through Friday, basically. Yeah. If you yeah. want it, you get Monday through Friday wrestling. But we had it where on the same night during the wars, uh, um, Nitro was three hours, so it started at eight and went to eleven. While Raw was 9 to 11, yeah. so that first hour was all the cruiserweights. So that's the only part of WCW I would even watch was the first hour. And they would, they would you know, go, they'd throw the storylines and the promos for later in the show right. for, you know, the Lugers and the Hogans and all, and all the, the big wig dudes. Right. You got, the good matches you got were the Hooventus, the Rey Mysterios, the La Parkas. You got them in the first hour. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's that. Y'all will watch Damn that, and then you'd be like, up oh, 9 o'clock, boom, time to flip over. Well, what I would do is I would watch Nitro Live, or I, I would watch the first hour of Nitro Live, and then I would switch to to Raw. Yep. And then immediately following Raw, Nitro came right back on. Yeah. Oh, I forgot he used to come on twice like that. Yeah. Yeah. They would do they would do the replay, so I'd always just watch the replay of the second two hours yeah. of Nitro. And, you know, so I'm just like, this is great. I stay up until 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. Or just have two night. TVs and just try to watch both. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. and then what I, what I started doing was I, I, start, do I would just watch, <laughs> you know, especially when, when Nitro was hot and it was during the 83 weeks we, that yeah. they were beating Raw consistently, I would just tape Raw and then mm. just watch Raw back on Tuesdays. You know, but, yeah, Benoit was definitely one of those guys that stood out to me. And, you know, he was, you know, he started in Calgary. You know, he started with, with uh, Stampede. 
you know, was he trained by the hearts? I can't remember if he was. Or yes. Not. Yeah. So he went to the dungeon. So he, he has some of the best training he could possibly get. And he loved Dynamite Kid. And you could see a lot of Dynamite Kid in Benoit. Even took his finishing move. Even his, took, yeah. His whole kid, With Dynamite Kid basically warned him. He's like, mm-hmm. don't do the flying head, but as your finisher. Now, right. Harley Race is the one cats about it, too. Like, yeah, don't yeah, do yeah. it. Don't do and that. Harley Race was one of the ones that told him about it, too. He's like, you should really stop doing that. It's going to cause you problems in the long run. But um, the, his path Especially, was almost, too, he missed it way more than oh. the other guys did. Like, his path one, was, like, once a match. If right? you look yeah. at it, his path was almost the same as Dynamite Kids, too. Mm-hmm. Going through the Mexico, dungeon, Japan. going through Stampede, then Japan and Mexico. Dynamite, by the ECW wasn't a thing then, mm-hmm. but he didn't do, but if it was, I wouldn't doubt that he would have went there. Right. And, the, um, you know, and he met Jericho in Japan. He met Eddie Guerrero in Japan. Japan. You know, he met some of the, the great names in that cruiserweight division in WCW in Japan, and they all left ECW at around the same time too. The Route ninety six. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Then you can add in Malenko. You can add in Perry Malenko, Saturn. Saturn. They all yep. went over around the same time, and they all were in ECW. Rad- radicals, right? That's what they call themselves. Well, that was once when they, they, went to once w- they, they left, left WCW. 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 But yeah, I'm talking about yeah. when they had left ECW right. initially. Yeah, because he said uh, Paul Heyman's always famous for quoting. They got Eddie Eddie, uh, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, and Perry Saturn all in one fell swoop. Yep. And it was all because of Ted Turner's checkbook. Yep. Yep. But you yeah, know. we all know how that went. Cloud <laughs> Jericho left. <laughs> left. Yeah. What's yes. up, George? They was talking about What up, George? They was talking about it. Uh I remember they were saying I was watching the rise and fall of uh WCW and they said that Hall and Nash had it booked in their contract to where Favorite Nations. If somebody if you hire somebody and they were making more, they're money making than them, more than them, then they automatically, they get, automatically the get a bump and right. It was called the Favorite Nations. Yeah. So clause. basically, they had to be the highest paid people. Mm-hmm. There. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that was smart. It was smart, and especially with WCW offering guaranteed contracts to talent at that time. You know, because Eric Bischoff says, I had a guaranteed contract. Terry Taylor had a guaranteed contract. Well, okay, you guys weren't in ring talent. You guys were behind the scenes. You guys were commentators. Exactly. You know, you guys were the pencils. You know, you weren't the in-ring talent. The in-ring talent may not have had guaranteed, con- or the, the behind-the-scenes guys may have had guaranteed contracts, but the, the, the in-ring talent didn't start getting guaranteed contracts until Bischoff offered them to guys like Hall and Nash. The biggest names had them. So that's right. why the invasion was subpar, because you didn't have those big names in it because they went out exactly. their contracts. Right. Yeah, they were all still under contract to Turner mm-hmm. until, like, two years later, you know, and... The thing is, when we talk about Kevin Nash booking towards like the final, <sighs> can we can we not talk about no, the we're, book of doom, I, we're not, we're not, we're not. <laughs> the reason I'm bringing this up is because he ran the X division and Impact when they were at yeah. their peak. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> their peak. Well, you know, and I think and it's it, like what, what happened at that time was you know when, like when you he went was from running shit in WCW to running yeah. This AJ Styles, Chris, Fick, all these guys, amazing like, red, yeah, mm-hmm. like you yeah, were at Kazarian, the peak. Suicide. suicide, suicide. I think Christopher Daniels was in yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, I mean, the the crazy thing about Nash booking WCW when he was booking WCW was he was still trying to maintain his spot. Yeah. He still thought he was a big name in the company. He did, and he didn't see the shift of everything going to the cruiserweights, even though a lot of the big-name cruiserweights had already left and gone to the WWE. 
you know, Jericho, Benoit, all those guys were yeah. already gone by that point. You know, but the the cool thing about Benoit to me always was, you know, he was not in WCW very long by the time he was a horseman. I mean, that horseman gimmick started in 96. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he had just gotten to WCW. And he took uh, Brian Pillman's spot. Brian Pillman's spot. Yes, he did. So, you know, I mean, you, you're in the company for a cup of coffee and a donut, <laughs> and you're a horseman. And you also, yeah, you also, you're up there with Ric Flair. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing a four, like. Right. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, Ben trajectory, you're like, wow. Oh, man. Benoit's path was picture perfect from the second he got into the big two. And then when he went to WWE, you know, and him and Eddie became friends, better friends than they were in WCW in Mexico. Yeah. And I think Japan too, because he was Japan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, and their friendship got together and you can't talk about the tragedy of Chris Benoit without unfortunately talking about the tragedy of Eddie Guerrero. Guerrero. Mm -hmm. You know, those two were, were like this. Sometimes I think a little bit stronger than a lot of people would like to admit um, and I'm not bringing a conspiracy theory into it, but Eddie's death hit Chris very, yeah. very hard. And if you watch the Dark Side of the Ring episode, you hear Vicky talking about um, after Eddie died, Chris and Nancy coming to stay with them, and Eddie or uh, Chris laying on Eddie's side of their bed, hugging his pillow bawling his eyes out to the point to where Eddie's kids would go up to Vicky and be like, mom, Chris is crying again. You know, I, and we talked a little bit about this before we went live, but that just sounds a little bit more than friendship to me. Like, even if it was his best friend. So you're saying they're a borderline gay? Not necessarily. We're walking around it. Let's say well, the shit. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, and I'm not saying that they were borderline homosexual or anything like that, but I mean, it just seemed like there might have been a little bit something more going on there than just friendship. You know, and and, and they, they definitely shared a, a brotherly bond, I would say. But I mean, Eddie's standing around the locker room naked <laughs> preaching from the Bible, though, too. I mean, that's just, that that's borderline weird, too. I mean, yeah, but they got, I think they shared those locker rooms and those roads together for a long time. Starting, 350 days a year. Starting in, like, mm-hmm. ECW mm-hmm. and then WCW. And their struggle is the same because they were both held down in WCW because of their size, which led to the Radicals and led to mm-hmm. WWF and their accolades from there on. You know what I'm saying? WrestleMania 20, both ending the show, wearing the belts and confetti raining down. Yeah. You know? They, they, there was a long journey to these things. These things like this are part of the reason why I love wrestling because right, right. when they say it's like a Bill soap opera, it kind of makes me mad because I'm not in the soap opera, so I don't mm-hmm. look at it that way. <laughs> but the long-form storytelling sometimes can be amazing. Yes. Even if it's not necessarily the story that's being told in the ring, that was more of their behind-the-scenes story, seeing mm-hmm. them finally rise to that. You know oh, yeah, saying? yeah, yeah. And if you, you know, watch their journey. Right, and, and, and you're 100% right. You know, they, they knew each other at ECW. They knew each other in Japan before ECW, mm-hmm. you know, and then they go to ECW. Yeah, I forgot Eddie Guerrero was one of the Tiger Man. I think he's Black Tiger or something like that. Pegasus Kid. No, that, no, that was no, Benoit. not not Benoit. I'm talking Guerrero yeah. was one of the Tiger Mans at one point. I think he was Tiger Mask. Yeah, either I, that or Black Tiger. Yeah, yeah, one. Of the, I think it was the evil one. So I want to say Black Tiger, probably. You know, and I'm about to look it up real quick. Okay, and you know, and that that's one of the things that I always that I, I've always found amazing about those two is that their rise, their rise to becoming the top two in the game were almost 
connected just about as close as they were. And, you know, again, I'm not glorifying a murderer here, but Benoit and Eddie were two of the reasons I watched WWE. You know, I was not a fan of The Rock, and I've, I've said that a million times over. You know, Austin was good for a while, you know, and then he got hurt, and he wasn't as great as he was. Eddie and Chris just had such a strong brotherhood because of, okay, uh, because of knowing each other for so long, almost like how twin brothers can bond. That's an interesting way of putting it. That's a very interesting way of putting it. Thank you, George. I never yeah, I never looked like at that. it. I never looked at it as a, a homosexual type of thing. Anyway. No, no, no. I was, and I wasn't I was, kidding. I, to that. Oh no, you weren't either. I, yeah. I wasn't saying that. I was just kind of fair. I always looked at them as like a brotherly bond. Yeah. Type of thing. Yeah. You know? um, even though Guerrero comes from an amazingly large family, mm-hmm. um, from the little bit I know about Ben Wise, I don't think he does. No, I think I. I don't want to say he was an only child, but I don't think he had very many siblings. Maybe only like a, a brother or a sister or something like that. Right. But you never hear about him. You know, it was always just, and even after the tragedy, you know, his dad would just talk about him. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, it, maybe it was a very small. I never watched the um, the WWE home video that they did on on Benoit. You know, and I can't I'm, watch it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm sure I can find. Well, you, you can probably it. find it. Yeah. yeah. You got to look. Right. Look, 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 look. There's always exchange and, you know, buybacks in places. Like yeah. That. I'm sure yeah. you might have it somewhere. Um, you know, but that was one of the way. You know, I do have the CNN story that they did after he died. And I think they do mention his childhood and stuff like that. And I know that one of them shows a lot of the highlights from that video. And I do actually have the Raw tribute show. Oh, wow. To Chris Benoit that somebody had actually recorded and, and gave me a copy of it. So I do have that before it was erased from WWE Network. Um, mm. But, yeah, Benoit was just one of those guys. And, you know, the, the, the tragedy of Eddie and hearing the stories about how he would walk into an arena and be like, the last time I was here, I was here with Eddie. You know, I haven't been here since Eddie. I haven't done this since yeah. Eddie. And knowing that uh, Nancy and Vicky and Chavo even were just like, you know, you they gave him that book that notebook that he could write in where he can write letters to Eddie and, and communicate with Eddie, and they thought that that was making him feel better. And I know that Vicky had gifted him uh, one of Eddie's Bibles that he'd always liked to have and um, yeah, stuff like that. But, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about how Nancy and Chris ended up together. Uh, so, you know, we talked about it, you know, Kevin Sullivan booking his own and divorce. divorce. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, Nancy and Kevin met back in Florida Championship Wrestling when Kevin Sullivan was still as the devil, Kevin Sullivan. Mm, so we're and talking he, late 80s, like 87-ish? Somewhere around say there, somewhere yeah. in And, uh, you know, they fell in love hard quickly. She became his valet, which you don't really have valets in wrestling anymore. So a valet is basically almost like a Paul Heyman to Brock Lesnar. She would always come to the ring with him. And she's the one that came up with, like, a lot of those leather outfits with, like, the weird feathers and stuff like that. Like, what an 80s, I guess you can call it, Satanist would look like. Because I know her sister had said that, like, she based her outfit on, like, an, an album cover that she had yeah. seen. I don't remember the name. I of just it. remember the pictures were just her and, like, a lot of, like, fishnets and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, a lot of, like, black makeup and, like, yeah. long black nails type yeah. of thing. You know what I'm Well, and there was even one where she's just, like, wearing, like, a blue, like, singlet with, like, a snake 
wrapped around her mm. um, and stuff like that. That had to be back in the early days, but that was back when Sullivan was was like the man in charge of Florida Championship Wrestling too. So, and this was obviously long before WWE was using FCW as a mm, training yeah. ground. Um, you know, and then Sullivan went to AWA, and then he went to WCW, and obviously Nancy was with him throughout the entire time. Mm-hmm. And there was even a small time when Nancy went to ECW, and yes. and did the woman character in ECW. Yes, she yeah. she was she with led Sandman. Sandman. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm correct, didn't Sandman have another valet? He might. I think it might have been his real life wife. Okay, maybe that's what it was. All right. Yeah, but I re- I do remember that a uh, woman was with him, which was Nancy's while. character. Yep. Yeah. When he did the whole blind gimmick, she would like present the cigarette and light mm-hmm. the cigarette mm-hmm. <laughs> after she put it in his mouth. Yeah. Open the beer. <laughs> and she still wore like those really nice evening gowns and mm-hmm. everything, like we saw her wearing in WCW when she was with the Horsemen. She was the epitome to me of sultry like seductiveness because Dude, the shit she, she used to do with Gene and she would give it off because she didn't even have to speak she would just no. stand there and give this glaring look and this nice gown like mm. um, I don't or, like know. this smirk on her face yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying I just recently went back and watched Bash at the Beach 96 because obviously it's the 25th anniversary of the NWO yeah. and that was the night that they finally revealed Hogan as the third man and all that and uh Nia has a valet, Reginald. Oh, oh Nia. Yeah. technically, yeah. yeah. Technically, Nia has yeah. a valet. They flipped a script with that one, yeah. Yeah. I haven't watched WWE in like a year. So. You aren't missing anything. I, I, so I hear. <laughs> you aren't missing much. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so they were interviewing uh, Rick Flair before his match uh, at Bash at the Beach. And woman's just standing there, and she's playing with Gene's chin and rubbing his chest and everything. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, God damn, man. Like, she knows how to put it on. <laughs> like, like, she is great. Yeah. Just in character, too. We just love yep. her. Yeah. And, and Gene's just like, now, woman, you stop it right now. And I'm just like, I love the fact that her name is woman, because it, it sounds yeah. sexist, but it really wasn't, yeah. because that was, that her, was her character. <laughs> I always thought she was great at it, and um, Sensational Sherry could be pretty great at it at times, too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Scary Sherry was pretty good, yeah. too. Um, you know, so then... Sullivan actually booked the angle where Nancy would leave him and go to Benoit, and that was after he was in the Horseman. So, you know, and then you, at, at Bash of the Beach 96, and, and Clint and I were talking about yeah. this. I wanted to bring it up with you. There's that match with Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit versus Kevin Sullivan and the Giant. Mm. And at the end of the match... Benoit is just beating the ever-loving hell out of Sullivan. And Nancy comes running down to the ring in heels, mind you. Three-inch heels, because they made a big point to talk about that. And she runs into the ring, and she's like, Chris, stop it. You're going to hurt him. And, like, she had to pull Benoit off of Sullivan. And I do remember that it was a Bash at the Beach match is when... Nancy's sister left with Benoit instead of Kevin Sullivan because that's when their marriage was starting to dissolve. And that's when the abuse allegations came out. Now, I want to say Nancy wasn't there because she was on the phone talking to her sister backstage. At least that's what they said, or her she said, on Dark Side of the Ring. That's what her sister said on Dark Side of the Ring. So um, do you think it was the 96 one, or do you think it was 97 Bash at the Beach that that happened? Because I know that they got divorced in 97. But Bash at the Beach is in July. 
So depending on how long it would take for the divorce proceedings to go through. We can look it up. I'm going to guess 97. I want to say 97, too, only because Nancy was there because she was a valet for the horsemen. I know what you're talking about. I'm yeah. going to guess 97 on. Let's look it up and find out. Because I know their divorce was final in 97. Cause that's it was she, final in 97. Yeah, because she didn't marry Chris until 2000. Until 2000. All right, I'm on 96 now. From the Ocean Center mm-hmm. in yeah. Daytona Beach, Florida. And that's what she said on Dark Side of the Ring. She said it was from the Ocean Center in Daytona Beach. That's why I thought maybe it was two, 96. But then While I she was married to Sullivan, she was having an affair with Chris Benoit. Yes. Well, they became engaged in 97 after her divorce from Sullivan became final. So Okay, so maybe it was the, t- the 96 one. Maybe she ran out of there after that match so that she didn't have to deal with Sullivan. And, I mean, who knows when she gave those uh, pictures to Malenko's wife? No, it was 97. It was 97? Yeah, I'm about okay. to pull it up officially, but it's not on the card for 96. It says that she was valeting Ric Flair to the right. ring. Uh, for a US, but she came running a U.S. title out. match. Yeah, she came running out from the, from backstage during that match. Sullivan wasn't even like on this card. Yeah, he he was. It was him and the Giant versus Benoit and. Uh, I'm saying Anderson. that that match wasn't. It, oh. it has to be 97. I'm saying that oh. match would be. Let's see. Da, da, da. I gotta pull up the results right now. Who were the participants again? It was uh, Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit representing the Four Horsemen versus the Taskmaster, right? Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan and the Giant. What they have here is Chris Benoit defeated the Taskmaster, who came out with Jacqueline and Jimmy Hart in a retirement match, and so that was Bass at the Beast '97. Okay, so maybe it was that one because the tag match was '96 because I just watched it the other day. Okay, yesterday, as a matter of fact. <laughs> let me let me. I'm gonna pull up the storylines to see if they talk about that. I mean, it would make sense because I think Benoit was out of the Horsemen by 97 anyway, and he he, he went on his own. Because I do remember that that storyline followed pretty quickly after that because um, they got into the Horsemen got into that big, huge feud with the NWO, and if Benoit lost his match, he had to leave the NWO, or he had to leave the Horsemen. So that, that could lead up to that. But, you know, so, you know, they said that he referred to her as only his fiance, even after they were after married. they were married. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's married. That's crazy. Um, and she managed his career from Atlanta, basically. So mm-hmm. she was she never really was on the road with Benoit mm-hmm. during his whole. But I know that uh, she brought run. Daniel there for WrestleMania 20 when he won the belt yeah. because Daniel jumped in the ring with him. Yeah. Um, and anybody that that watched WCW would sit there and look at her and be like, "Oh my God, that's a woman." Yeah. You know, um, life imitating art. I guess you can say in in that instance, uh, you know. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure when that happened because where he kind of broke kayfabe there and started beating him down until she mm. ran into the ring. Because they're not talking about it. What this is Wikipedia, so take it or leave it. But yeah. um, I'm looking well, at Kevin, Kevin Sullivan's bio talking about that. And they only mention retirement match. They don't mention anything about the match yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's neither here nor there. I just thought it was interesting that that happened during that match. And like, I, you know, I just watched it yesterday. And I thought it was I thought it was interesting that that had happened. Yeah, um, you know, like you know, a few months before that whole storyline started, where Sullivan was booking his divorce, um, you know, and the, there were abuse allegations that came out, and you know, Nancy's sister talked about it, and that that's the reason why her sister was supposed to leave with Chris Benoit to go to Benoit's condo, which is where Nancy supposedly was. Yeah, she filed 
Nancy filed for divorce in 2003, alleging abuse, but she... From Sullivan? No. Oh, you're talking about Sullivan. Yeah, from Sullivan. Oh, I'm talking yeah, about yeah, Ben yeah. Wall. No, 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 no. Oh, I'm, okay, I'm, okay. Yeah. We'll get We'll get to that in a second. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, so she, she left that arena with Chris and went to Chris's condo, and then that's when the divorce started going through. Uh, she showed the, the, the pictures of her, basically, Nicole Brown almost mm. beat up to uh, D Malenko's wife. Yeah. And Malenko and Benoit had pretty much helped her get away from Sullivan. And that's when her and Chris started their affair and started their, you know, relationship. Uh, she gets pregnant with Daniel late in 99 and then they get married in 2000. And then by 2003, there's already more alleged abuse allegations and she's trying to divorce Chris. Yes. Which I'm wondering is that's when the Johnny Grunge thing happened. When Johnny Grunge had to go to their house and pull Chris out of the house for a few days. It possibly could have because they said that uh, May 2003 she filed for divorce, signed at the marriage as uh, broken and alleged cruel treatment. Mm -hmm. She also had a restraining order filed against Ben Wall. That's when it was. That's when it was. Mm -hmm. But she dropped the restraining order and the divorce. Yeah, in August of two thousand three. But she had a restraining order yeah. against the watch. And I wanted so that probably was the incident. You found something, Rob? With Johnny? Yeah. Um, I found your match. Okay. So the eighth match of Bass of the Beast ninety six. It was actually mm-hmm. the uh, semi main. Uh, was the Giant and the Taskmaster versus Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit? Mm-hmm. The Giant Taskmaster attacked Anderson and Benoit on the entrance ramp into the arena. On their entrance into the arena, yes. Michaels hit the Giant with a briefcase, and the Giant yep. chased him backstage. This allowed Benoit and Anderson to double team the Taskmaster. Mm-hmm. The match officially started as the Giant returned to the ring. Benoit and Anderson continued to attack Taskmaster for the first half of the match, preventing the Giant from tagging in. Giant finally tagged in after the Taskmaster des- delivered a belly belly suplex. Giant dominated Anderson. And Ring Benoit fought Taskmaster on the outside. Now, was that what you're talking about? Were you fighting him on the outside? Uh, and then it continues. Oh, wait, it, it continues. It says, after mm-hmm. the match, Benoit continued to attack the Taskmaster. Woman came down but failed to stop Benoit. Benoit finally stopped when the giant came back out. Yes, yes. Yeah, and she did say, you know, stop it, Chris. You're going to hurt him. You're going to hurt him. And I'm wondering, I'm like, I wonder if that's when all that stuff started. But apparently it was still a little bit later on from that. But the story that that I found interesting about what you're talking about there with their uh, starting divorce in 2003 is Nancy's the one that called Johnny Grunge and told Johnny, come get Chris. You know, he's going crazy. So Grunge went, took him to his house. Nancy had taken all of her stuff, packed up and left. And I want to say she went to Vicky Guerrero's. It was Vicky. I think it was Vicky. Uh, Either that or she went to, to Vicky's or her sister's. And... He kept calling over there, very much like Macho did when uh, Elizabeth was staying with the Hogans. Yeah. Um, And finally, on like the third or fourth day, I want to say it was Vicky, finally allowed Chris to talk to her. And obviously, they don't know what the conversation was. It was just between Nancy and Chris. But then Nancy decided to go back home to Chris, and that's when she dropped the 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 restraining order and stopped the divorce proceedings. And, you know, obviously things didn't get much better from there. Chris was still very much in this deep, dark place because of the death of Eddie. And I don't think he he ever really recovered from that. And, you know, Chavo, unfortunately, watched his uncle die in his arms. Yeah. And 
I've never seen Chavo break down like that, like he did on Dark Side of the Ring when he talked about Eddie dying right there. And, you know, Benoit was down in the lobby of the hotel where they were all staying at and called up to Eddie's room. Chavo answered the phone, you know, hey, where are you guys at? What's going on? And he's like, you're not going to believe this, but Eddie's gone. And he just lets out this wail that's just, you know, like, and I'm sure I would react like that if my best friend died. You know, I I consider my best friend to be my sister. I really do. Her and I, we've been friends for 20 plus years. You know, I love her like she's my sister. She was actually my sister's maid of honor in her wedding. She was supposed to be, you know, on my side of the thing, but her and my fiance don't get along too much, so that's not happening. But, yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, but there's there's something to, you know, like that, that brotherhood-style friendship, and I'm glad that George brought that up because I never thought of it in that term, but now I do. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe I would act kind of that way if my best friend were to You die. know, a good comparison I can make to it now, um, though they're on two different coasts at the moment, is the relationship between Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi. They, okay. It was so tight that, and though there was no homosexuality there either. Right, 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 right. It, it, they called them the golden lovers. <laughs> though, though they were like brothers, they were so yeah. tight, they called them like they yeah. were lovers, you know what I'm saying? Well, and and that, uh, I, I, I was compared to Eddie's yeah. and Benoit's relationship to that. And that's kind of the way it is with me and my friend. Um, I, I don't like saying people's personal names on my show, and you heard some of why that is earlier. Um, and that's the way it is with us. Like, for a long time, people thought we were, like, madly in love with each other. Because of how close her and I were, and it it, it wasn't that's, just. But that's that male female dynamic. Everybody mm-hmm. always thinks that. I had that back. My the day fiance too. thought that for a long time with her and I. I feel and you. And then she finally saw us hanging out. You know, you know, the three of us were finally able to hang out together, and she's like, "Okay, now I get it. You act with her the way you act with your sister." So then she finally got it's more of a sister brother yeah. relationship than it is you know, two star-cross Romeo and Juliet style exactly. kind of thing. So now that the, now that I have that kind of terminology in my head, I see it, that they're, they're, they were closer than brothers. And I, I can understand that. Um, you know, so we're getting pretty close here to the um, unfortunate um, stuff. And so that weekend was just weird in itself. And... Chris had been texting people. Uh, he'd been texting Chavo, referee Scott Armstrong, and yeah. and people sitting here saying that, you know, Nancy and Daniel are sick. They have food poisoning. You know, I'm not going to be able to make it to the house show that was the weekend of that pay-per-view. It was Night of Champions, wasn't it? Vengeance Night of Champions? I believe I so. And if it wasn't, it was an easy. I know it was an ECW title match. You were supposed to get the ECW championship. And I, that's why I want to say it was Night of Champions because all three belts were on the line. Yeah, I want to say it was Night of Champions. Yeah. I think it was Vengeance Night of Champions. Like, that's when they were combining, like, pay-per-views together yeah. to, to keep all three brands. Um, and I was really looking forward to that pay-per-view, too, because I'm a Paul Heyman guy. I'm a huge ECW guy. Swish, sir. Swish. I'm, finally. I missed the first <laughs> one. I usually miss, to be honest. Um and I was really looking forward to that because, um, you know, the ECW championship had kind of been like the redheaded stepchild championship 
because that, that show point. was fucking terrible in their it, hands. It, it really <laughs> was extremely crappy wrestling once the WWE had their... Yeah, once they got it in their hands, mm-hmm. they gave no fucks about it. And, th- and by this point, uh, Heyman was already out, you know, because December to December had already happened. Yeah, he had a meltdown and quit. Like, you're destroying my baby. Like, fuck that. I'm out. Yeah, and I don't blame him. I don't either. I don't blame him. Not a little bit. And... uh so the rumor was, and the storyline originally was, was that Chris Benoit was supposed to win the ECW championship that night. Like, that was the original storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, the depression meds and the roid meds, I know, had to be a horrified combination. Yeah, it would have been just nicer champions. Yeah, that led to this, though. Sometimes your mind just gets lost, and when you're on that much medication your body and mind are just lost. That is a lot to do with it. That is a lot to do with it. And um, we'll, we'll talk about that here in just a moment. Um, that weekend, there were a lot of people that were at their house, I want to say that Friday night, the night that they think Nancy was murdered, they said they were having a party. A barbecue, yeah. Yeah, and that Chris and Nancy got into a really bad An argument, argument, and all these people were just like, Okay, this just got weird. I'm just gonna go and like you know left them to whatever they were gonna do, and you know, unfortunately, maybe somebody should have stayed behind. You know, but you never know what's gonna happen in those situations. And you know, I know Stephen Regal, uh, William Regal, to WWE fans, um had heard a lot more information than a lot of other people had at that time because he yeah. lived in that area. More about uh, that bar. Yes, they was having a barbecue. Mm-hmm. And they had an altercation later that night Yes, that turned violent when he restrained her with duct tape. <sighs> duct tape. So the altercation they had is when he flipped, flipped, killed her, restrained her with the duct tape and choked her with a telephone cord. Put her, put and he put knee. a Bible next to her body, basically. Yeah. Like, and put his knee into her back yeah. so that he can get more torque on the uh on Sorry the if I jumped cord. ahead. No, uh, <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. You know, I mean, we're, we're basically at that point. Um, and then we can use the second hour for the, de- the, the debate here. Actually, before we get into the murders, let's go ahead and take um, a quick break here. I got to use the little Ghostbusters room. Uh, so we'll do that when we come back. We'll get into the murders. So this is basically Dark Side of the Ring. The first hour was basically all about his career, and the second part's going to be about his murder. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. But we'll be right back here on Money's Crazy Mind, and uh, I'll be back with Robin Clint, and I'm going to go use the little Ghostbusters room.
doing right, doing wrong. Parents pissed off every time I write a song. Smoke crack, push up Satan, what the fuck is that? It's something funny, made for you to laugh at. You're destroying America with your rap. You're so full of shit, I need to call hazmat. The only way I would ever apologize is if I had my face buried in your sister's thighs. But the best part of you was the afterbirth. If you can't take a fucking joke, then go jump in the river. Nah, 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 nah. And I fucked your sister. If you can't take a fucking joke, then go jump in the river. And I fucked your sister. Talking shit, what the fuck is this? Haters talking shit, run your mouth, this is what you're gonna get. A screwdriver jammed in your fucking eye. So long, thanks for coming by. Tell your sister, I'll be over by 10 with my dick in the mouth and my balls on her chin. She's bobbing her head to this fucking beat. Damn, dog, man, your sister's a freak. Hey, baby, you like the Eagles? Wanna hear something? Oh, yeah. Yep. Go. All right. So welcome back, everybody, to Money's Crazy Mind. We are back live, and we are getting into the very, very unfortunate and dark part of the show. So if there's younger people out there and you don't want them to hear uh, graphic details about a double homicide, um, I would definitely say uh, parental advisory. Uh, discretion is advised, but will be completely ignored. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so all this is coming from the uh, Atlanta Sheriff's Department here, and also some of it's coming from the book Ring of Hell, the story of Chris Benoit and the fall of the pro wrestling industry. Now, I know the pandemic happened, so that probably threw a lot of things off for a lot of people, but originally they were supposed to be making a movie out of that book. They are. And they still are? Yeah. Yay! I love, you know what? Not just a sidetrack real quick. I'm sorry. I'm good. No, you're good. He can mention that. He'll tell you. But, um... I love when you take ideas and you put them into a visual art form mm-hmm. like movies. And especially, there's so many things that haven't been touched on. Right. This is something you can make a movie out of. Yeah. Th- there's a lot of stories from wrestling honestly you can make movies out of. Yeah. You Which is why it. I love Dark Side of the Ring. Like, they have that Hogan movie coming out soon. Yep. Originally, I, I don't know what happened with it because originally this was supposed to be a movie. But now here they may make it into a TV series. But it was called Pandemonium and it was the history of Vince McMahon. Vincent K. McMahon. I think that's still happening. Yes, I remember I, that yeah. movie because I think they said they had Bradley Cooper paid to play Vince. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure if that I think it was it's still gonna be. I think you're right. Whatever. I think it's going to become either a. Ne- it's probably going to go to Peacock now that WWE. Yeah, has I heard it's going to be going. I heard it's going to be strictly on Netflix. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. But then I know the, the Hogan, Hogan movie's movie. on Netflix. Yeah, the Hogan movie's going to be on Netflix. Original. Yeah. So I, I like that. Let's touch on stuff we never knew. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Let's get in, make a movie about some NBA stories and stuff that happened over the years and shit. You know? You know, that, that, anything. That 10 part series that ESPN did about Michael Jordan. And the Bulls. Awesome. Yeah. That awesome. was really good. Loved it. That was really, really Loved good. Loved it. People can hate on Jordan for being a salty bastard all they want. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like people hate on. Come on, Davey, on on Brett for that, but like yeah. it was still great. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, man. I'm I'm just saying thing about the, the it was it was good. my thing on the last game. I just felt it was a way to make Jordan seem like he's better with just patting his reputation. Cause I don't give a damn. You tell a motherfucker but not I mean, to they, feed they me because I had a bad game. I don't give a fuck if you Michael Jordan. Nah, I'm beating your ass. Like fuck I mean, you. They, I don't they, care. They, <laughs> they played Scottie Pippen in a pretty good light too. I mean Dennis Rodman, they shit all over. But who doesn't shit all no, over? No, they shit. No, nah, he he he, did, he, he, he shit on Scottie with a Exactly. That's what I was saying. You, you did yeah. it. It's not like they were lying. Are you right. about Dennis Rodman? Yeah. 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 You can't take days off in Vegas in between final games. You can't do that. They placated to him. What players? If I'm a normal me would have been a bench player. They wouldn't have did that shit for me. Hell but no, because man. you're the rebounding king of all time, they said, you know what? You go take 48 hours. And then when you tried to go past the 48 right, hours, right. Jordan and crew came and knocked on the door like, bring your ass, bro. We got a game. Yeah, not only that, but <laughs> in the middle of all this, he's doing a match with Diamond Dallas Page exactly. and Hulk Hogan. During the finals. Yeah. <laughs> he's on Nitro during the finals. <laughs> that was amazing. I love that story. During mm. the finals. Okay, so my fiance <laughs> chimed in. And she, I think she was going to try to get this in before the break, but obviously, you know, we, I cut that off and we went to break yeah, yeah. real quick. Uh, so she said, I think someone should have taken Daniel home with them if the fight was that bad. I agree. I totally agree. And, totally agree. Yeah, and if, and if Johnny Grunge was there, you know, obviously Johnny knows the history of all this. And for those who don't know who Johnny Grunge is, there was this great tag team in ECW. They kind of got watered down in WCW called the Public Enemy. And Johnny Grunge was half of that, along with God rest his soul, Rock of Rock, mm-hmm. and uh, they were they were awesome. They were, ECW. They, you know, but they were their own worst enemy because they, they went to they made it to the bigs. They, you know what? It's crazy. That's another one we talk about. You like their rise, and you're an ECW guy, so you know. They had an amazing tag team division back in the day. Oh and I'm talking God. 94 through like 96, when you had the Eliminators, you oh. had Public Enemy, you had the original.
original Dudley Boys when yep, he was yep. in, um, Spike was still with them, and you had uh, like Sign Big Dick guy, Dudley. Big Dick Dudley. And, and, yeah, the whole crew was there. He has to wear the funny glasses with the tape in the middle of them and Fucking shit. Fucking 15 Dudleys, man. You would have uh, <laughs> Sabu and RVD was a tag team oh. at the time. Um, um, I, I think this might have been before them, but they were there. Lance Storm and Justin Credible were a tag team. I don't think they were a tag team at that time. I don't believe they, so. That might have been like 97, 98. That might have been near Right, that might have been a little bit before that. But I know this was like uh, Saturn and Cronus time before Mm. Saturn went to WCW. Amazing tag teams during this time. They Um, had the best technical wrestling. They had the best Lucha Libre wrestling. They had the best what is now known as Japanese strong style wrestling. And they put the hardcore stuff in there, too. But the, oh. what I was saying was Public Enemy was kind of the cream that rise to the crop during that time. They had their titles a lot. It was like the them, pitbulls. Them the, and the Pitbulls The Pitbulls, great them, matches. the Dudleys, all three of them kind of ruled the roost of all those tag teams for the most Hell part. Yeah. And then Public Enemy broke off, and they went to WCW, and it didn't work so much for them. I don't know if that's a the booking thing. The fucking Nasty Boys, man. They yeah. put them with the Nasty Boys. I mean, when they went to WWF, it didn't work either because they put them no. with the Acolytes and they yeah. didn't want to do the finish. No. So then they started beating their ass hard way style right, right, during right. the match and really putting them through the table. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so yeah. I feel like they were their own worst enemy a yeah. little bit, but they were a great tag team. People forget about Yeah. You know, and the guy that wrote the book Ring of Hell, the story of Chris Benoit and the fall of the of the pro wrestling industry is a man named Matthew Rendazzo the Fifth. And this is all from, like I said, the Fayette County Sheriff's Office and also his book. Uh, So upon arrival at the scene, Alden, who was the sheriff's deputy, uh, met with a neighbor who claimed that they hadn't seen any of the family in a few days. Alden had the neighbor take the dogs who were in the backyard, which Chris went message to uh, um, Chavo and Scott Anderson or Scott Armstrong. Now, the reason why the police even showed up at the Benoit home to begin with is Chavo and Scott Armstrong have been getting these weird texts from Chris all weekend. The dogs are in the backyard. Alarm code is this. Come yeah. through the side door. Cryptic te- texts. Like, if anybody had gotten that, I would have done the same thing. So, finally, they took it to Johnny Ace, John Laurinaitis, uh, now Johnny Bella, and because um, John was in charge of talent relations at that time and had said, you know, hey. Power to the people. Oh, God. People power. Uh, you know, he had t- they had taken it to Johnny Ace, and Johnny Ace took it to Vince, and Vince called in the welfare check, or had somebody from WWE. Called in a welfare check, yes. Called in the welfare check. check. The, the head of security, I think it was. Yeah. Some guy like, something like that. Because mm-hmm. I remember they played back the tape of him calling. Yeah, the 911 like, tape. Like, hey, um, we wanted to go down there and check on one of our guys, one of our wrestlers, to not show up for a show we had tonight. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, he goes by the name of Chris Benoit. And they, they played the 911. Yeah. 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 And then they sent them over there. That was on Dark Side. Yes. And this guy had already been to the Benoit house or knew where the Benoit house yeah. was before. Probably from previous calls. Yeah, from the domestic violence stuff mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah. Uh, so the neighbor takes the dogs uh, into the house and so that they can perform the welfare check. Upon entering the house, the neighbor came running out screaming, Daniel's dead, Daniel's dead. As Alden describes, entering the home, police photos from the scene are shown. Um, as far as I can tell, having done a lot of reading and research of the situation, this may have been the first time these photos have been shown publicly. If anybody wants to see uh, these photos that are being described here, um, season two of Dark Side of the Ring is available on Hulu. So you can watch it on Hulu, or if you have the Vice uh, Vice TV app, 
uh, all three seasons are currently available. I think I might go back and watch that episode. Just I got a four day weekend this weekend. You can watch with it the on YouTube. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely. Gonna oh go yeah, ahead. it is on the unrated one is actually on YouTube I, too. Let me make a suggestion to go check the one out on Hulu or if you got Fire yeah. Stick watching on Cinema HD because YouTube fucks it up. Because mm-hmm. what they do is they'll play the audio straight, but the video is choppy. So the, mm-hmm. whatever you just see. It'll go like three or four seconds and bounce back to that video, uh, but the, the but the audio doesn't change. The they, audio is the actual audio straight through. They wow. only they only do that for like the new ones that come out. The old ones will be like normal. It it will be okay. Yeah. I was wondering because they just do it for the new TV. Yeah, for the new TV. If you try to if you go yeah. to YouTube that night, sometimes you can catch it straight up if you mm-hmm. go like exactly as the show starts. But if you miss it, like say it starts at nine and you go in like nine fifteen, good luck. Yeah. On YouTube, at least. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know that I saw the original director's cut, quote-unquote, of the Benoit episodes um, yeah. on YouTube because now, they were on Those are the ones that came out in the spring. with the, the uh, They showed stuff that they cut out before? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that was the original one that I saw because they released it like a week after it aired. So I'm like, I'll just wait a week and watch these uncensored ones because I, I want the whole yeah. story. And so a lot of this is on there, but the uncensored ones are on YouTube because the the New Jack one has all the profanity in it. Yes, it does. So if you want, if you watch it on Hulu, they are the unrated ones. <laughs> rest in peace. <sighs> yeah, rest, rest in peace to to New Jack, man. He's another one from WECW, man. He's a fucking. Yeah, now I was watching the uh, not I was watching that TNA event. He was on there doing yeah. something with Shark Boy. <laughs> Shark Boy. It was so funny. Though. He was like, I kick your ass and everything we play. He's like, I kick your ass in Twister, the game with the white women. And I'm like, Goldilocks standing there, like, wait, game with white women. She looked like what's her name? He like, you know I'm. Kick your ass and these. It was a, they did this hardcore 10 thing. We got to get 10 points. Yeah. And New Jack was down. I think it was down. I forgot who he was facing. Facing. He was down 7 0. He came back and then Shark Boy come with the big hawk hands and he gets the hawk hand and he started doing a little posing like this, like. And then knocked dude through the table and went Was to this match. when Shark Boy was doing the, uh, the, the Stone Cold gimmick? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> they, had this, they had the one part where they were playing in the kiddie pool together. Yes. Mm. I, what I liked about that, since we talked about it really quick, is that um, it showed a completely different side the of New Jack. Jack. Yeah. And it and he still went hard when he was in the As hardcore impact. as his career is, and you have to look back like, yeah, you couldn't put any of that on TV. Hell this no. This was the part where he showed, if there were ever any ounce of him you could have put on WWE, this that was time it. with Sharkboy was it. Yeah. That was the, yeah. that you could, did it there. Yeah. I almost kind of wish WWE had bought TNA during all that time when there was talks about TNA shutting down before they changed their name to Impact. Mm-hmm. Just so that we could have gotten some of those moments on the WWE network. Yeah, good luck with yeah. that. Yeah. Jeff Jarrett yeah. wasn't. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Now, if he still owned it now, yeah, because now they're good now. But. Yeah. Okay. So... They go into the house. Yes. Uh, Alden describes the smell in the home, uh, telling one of his deputies that something is dead in here. Now, mind you, by this point, Nancy Benoit had already been dead two days. Yeah. Daniel, Daniel had already been dead a day. Actually, three days, because this would have been Monday, I want to say. No, no, it was Sunday. It was Sunday before the pay-per-view started. Because but he would have been dead two days at this point. He, he would have yeah. been dead that morning, yeah. He killed Nancy first. Oh, so Nancy would have been dead two days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he described going up the stairs where they found Daniel in his bed, face down, passed away, while police photos show a replica. Oh, God. 
of the World Heavyweight Championship on the floor besides the bed with Daniel's name on it. Um, also, and this is something that, that's not in here, but it is in those crime scene photos. There is a Bible next to Daniel's bed as well. Yeah, there's a Bible next to all bodies. And then um, they also found a knife under Daniel's bed. A big, long, Michael Myers-style kitchen knife. And um, my my thought on that always was maybe he was originally going to slit his throat, but then decided not to because they said he was drugged with Adderall or something. Xanax. Xanax. And that that's what put him to sleep, and then he suffocated him with a pillow. Um, so... Daniel died kind of painless. They also made a. There was also I, a rumor that was going around saying that uh, he used the crossface on Daniel. Okay, what's the name? Listen, bro, we're gonna say that that is a lie. I know it's yeah. a lie because my fucked up mind cannot go there and think that he killed his fucking child doing his finisher move. No, we're not. We're not, not putting only that. that in not here. only that. We're but not if doing he, that. If he, one, if he had done that, <laughs> and uh, I'm not yelling at you. You didn't come up with that. I'm just saying right. that right. it was a rumor. So like, that was a rumor bro. that they that said so that he killed. Fast, I believe it. Yeah. Like, like well, not only that, but they found Daniel's pillow on top of his face. Yeah. So I mean, it, it, it is definitely that he that he was suffocated with his pillow. But that, not only that, but I, I would think with as young as Daniel was, if he had been put in the crippler crossface and he had to do it intentionally to where he was actually trying to cause harm, you could. I'm not saying. No, 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 no. But Daniel's neck would have been shattered. Yeah. yeah. But my thing is, too, like, why your kid, bro? What did he have to do with anything? I'll, you I'll, have your own beef with your wife, which she didn't deserve it either. I'm not saying she was no. deserving, but I'm saying there was at least some type of a, I don't want to say cause and effect, like she caused it, but, like, you could see, like, all right, he has whatever friction with her. There's relationships and stuff like that. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. But the child had nothing to do with that. He was just... No. Of this innocent, relationship. innocent bystander. Yeah, exactly. So why not? Like uh, you were saying, your your fiance, I believe, said, mm-hmm. why not send him with the neighbor or something? Yeah, yeah. Maybe he didn't want him to have to live with the fact that his parents were gone in such a horrific way and everything, and, and with his father's name and everything. But at the same time, like David's left with it. Exactly. The son from his first marriage exactly. is left with it, though he wasn't living at the home. And and, uh, and if he was living at the home, would right. he be a casualty too? <sighs> uh, and that's fucked up because he probably has to think about that. Yeah. Ah, I just went there. like if you if you watch if you <laughs> watch Dark Side of the Ring and you know they obviously interviewed David Benoit yeah. yeah and he sits there and he says after this happened I took so much shit from people because my father did what he did he has been left with that stigma his entire life and then the fact that WWE did shit all for his and family, wrote him off. Yeah. Wrote him up. They said when he was older and he went backstage, people, some people that knew his dad would kind of talk to him. Yeah. But they kind of eventually banned him. Yeah. Like, no, Natalia would talk to him back there, backstage too, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, with the heart connection and stuff. Right, 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 right. They eventually banned him from going backstage, and he didn't do anything wrong. No. Just because his last name is fucking Benoit. That's why I say shouts out, shout out to Jericho for getting, for getting Daniel. Or excuse me, for getting David. David, getting David and the sister of Nancy Benoit together, and then inviting them to go to AEW. Oh, wow. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like you, you got family here. You can come see us whenever. Absolutely. And Jericho and Chris, uh, Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit, yes. were actually very, very close. And you know, Jericho even said it on the dark side of the ring. If you think I'm glorifying a murderer, then change the channel because that's not what I'm doing at all. And you know, Jericho actually, you know, said a few things before the the uh, the tribute episode that WWE did before they knew all the facts, or they claim they knew all the facts. Exactly. Um, 
But upon entering the other rooms, they found Nancy on the floor, also deceased, wrapped in either a blanket or rug, as he describes. Yeah. Alden, Alden then describes entering the gym area in the basement while a police photo shows a weight with the heart name inscribed on it, showing Benoit's roots to the Hart family training earlier in his career. Alden realized that Benoit was also dead with a cord from the weight machine wrapped around his neck and weights on the other side of the cord. Now, getting back to Nancy. Ooh. Wow. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. That's a hell of a way to die. Okay. And I just say that going to the gym, like, mm-hmm. I can just imagine the amount of the heaviest weight you could put and you can set it to. And, that and that's cord? basically what he that's did. what he did. That's basically what he yeah, did. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be instant. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't in the right frame of mind because of the mix of depression meds and the roids. And well, they didn't find they didn't find any steroids in his system when they did the toxicology. Did but they, they found they a lot did. of alcohol. And they yeah. did say during he, the whole house. They pretty much did say though that he, he did roids for years. He yeah. kind of had a little bit of that um, dynamite kid mentality mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. I'm the smallest guy. I need to bulk up to yep. stay, yep. you know, with the pack type of thing. Yeah, I do know that that was like a big thing of contention, and even WWE tried contesting it, saying that you know he had taken a drug test not too long before that, and it came back clean. But we heard Chavo, we heard Jericho, and we heard several others say that there were ways to get around those WWE drug tests. Yeah, there were. Um, but getting back to to Nancy, uh, Nancy was found bound in duct tape, as you had mentioned earlier. Um, you know, obviously the the ligature marks around her neck from the phone cord that that he used to strangle her and then one thing that was found in the autopsy report on nancy benoit was that she had bruises on her stomach and back from where chris would take his leg and use it to to get leverage so he can choke her even tighter so she died an ultra violent death and then he left the bible Bible by her next to her body as well and then um the next day they said that he went on the internet and had searched uh, a Bible verse about resurrecting a dead child. The prophet of Elijah in the Old Testament. And, you know, thinking maybe he screwed up, didn't mean to kill Daniel. Daniel was just a casualty of what had happened. So now his brain just went pet cemetery. Uh, this, Basically. That's the kicker part, though. They said after that, he then searched for the quickest and most painful way of breaking one. Painless. Neck. And th- painless. That's neck. that's why I said I thought about it because I, I, I go to the gym more and more recently. I just came from the gym before I, I got here. And I'm thinking about that like, whew, that's a hell of a way. <laughs> that and it's yeah, that's quick, depending on how much weight he used. So my 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 whole thing about that when they said that he had looked that up that for the mo- quickest and painless, most painless that's way. That's the part that tripped me up. Um of and killing yourself. And I'm just like, okay, so wait a minute. You you strangle your wife to death with a telephone cord. But you drug and suffocate your son to death. And then you want to find the quickest and most painless way to kill yourself? How fucking selfish are you? But what was the, what was the opposite of that for him? He could have slit his own throat. He could have hung himself. And then just slowly bled out. Yeah. They said that mm. he entered the, his home gym this with, is a a half, conversation. with a half-drunken <laughs> bottle of wine. Yes. Used a lab pull-down machine where he removed the bar, wrapped a tie around his neck, adjusted the cord, adjusted the weight to 245, yep. released the cord, ended his own life. And they said if he hadn't wrapped a towel around the cord, that it basically would have decapitated, decapitated. decapitated him. Yeah. Yep. And they also said that he left something to a suicide note in a Bible nearby. 
which indicate he knew what he was doing. Eddie's fighting. And still considering taking a flight to wrestle that Avengers pay-per-view that Sunday. Even after. So if he ain't killed himself, he would have been wrestling that pay-per-view. And won the ECW championship. Wow. Uh, that had been a hell of a thing. I mean, people trip out on RVD for getting pulled over with pot in the car and losing this title that way. What the hell would you know? <laughs> and and that, that I was just thinking that because I do remember them saying that he was still thinking about going to vengeance that night. So if he didn't want yeah. the title, you'd have had to take it off. Of the murder. next night, on, the next night on Raw, he probably would have lost the belt anyway because he would have been arrested for murdering his wife and kid. Exactly. Who says they would have known? Well, they may not have known on Monday, but eventually somebody would have been like, Vince would have told him. It would have got back to Vince. Like, somebody yeah, but here's my point. If you're the only person who knows you've done this, right? who knows how long he could have went home, hit the bodies. Who knows? Yeah. True. True. It could have been discovered because eventually within them 24 hours, her sister or somebody would have called like, wondering what happened yeah, after that fight. she probably would have tried calling the house. Yeah. To and then been like, okay, Nancy this is too Chris. weird that I'm not getting any answers on anything about this. Then somebody's going to go and check and then it would have been found out. Right. So it took a day or two. But right, it would have right. been fouled. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where, where I, what I was thinking, too. You know, like, if Chris had won the ECW championship that night, then his her, her sister would have been trying to call Nancy to congratulate Chris on winning the championship. Here's my other question. Where was that pay-per-view held? I think it was somewhere in California. Avengers, uh, hold on, they lived in Georgia. Mm. He And he was going to... Fl- now, I know technology and air travel and everything, but... In my brain, I would think that you would have left for that show like at least a day before. Well, and they had house shows before too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you it was at the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas. Okay, so okay. that's not so it was not that far. It was not that far. So he could have did that. Still waited and then flew that morning. And that's what he had originally told Chavo and Scott Armstrong that he was going to do. But they said they wanted him there by five. Though I remember they said they said you have to be here by five, by five o'clock. Probably for final run through, yeah, and, and run stuff through like that. yeah. And then um, Chris Jericho then states he was driving home with his son in the back seat when he received a call from one of the writers to inform them that Benoit had passed away. Yeah. At which point he pulled over and began crying, and his son informed him that you cry funny. Cry funny. So Chris, his son ain't know at the time, but he just thinking like his dad just joking around. Chris declined to participate on that raw tribute to Chris Benoit because he knew yes. something wasn't right. And then if you listen to what William Regal said on there, he had said something to the tune of no matter what happened in his personal life, he was still a phenomenal athlete. And you can't take that away from him. When Jericho heard that, Jericho said he knows something is different or he knows that something's up. Now, William Regal lived in that area. He lived right around where Benoit lived. So it's possible that, obviously, you know, the Atlanta PD, you know, radioed in and said that this is a double homicide and a suicide. Like, in yeah. that, that's very clear from everything that was that was present. Now, I had missed vengeance. Um, a transformer had blown at the top of my street, so our power was out for two days. I had that a couple of days ago. Somebody had a transformer across the street. Yeah. Shut, uh, shut us out of work. We left early that day. Uh, <laughs> what day was that? What day was that? Uh... It was a day, I think, last week, I think. Oh, uh, I'm about to say. Somebody, somebody, hit, somebody hit the pole across the street. It was smoking. They had fire and everything. Come oh, out there. shit. They said that we were going to be with our power for at least. Our dog will be with our power for at least 10 hours. I was going to say, <laughs> on Monday, because of the heat, my job lost power, too, right at the end of the day. So I yeah. left like an hour early. So I was going to say, that's ironic. 
So we had spent the night at my grandma's house because obviously we know we're talking August. Now, let me look at that car because I wonder what was the car for that night. Even though it's like something. Totally I know that match was like a triple threat. Um, yeah, it was a triple A for the ECW championship. It was I don't him, remember. It was him, Johnny Nitro, and one other person. Uh, I know uh, Big Show was in that match because I think Big Show was still the champ at that point. Yeah. So um, and they they put it on Nitro. I don't remember who the third was. I, I think they originally it was it. Benoit and Nitro replaced yeah. Benoit, but I don't yeah. know who the other guy was. Maybe okay. Chavo. Maybe, maybe. I, I could be wrong. Um, but I actually missed that pay per view. I was supposed to watch it, and because I was a you know huge ECW guy, and I wanted to see that title be brought back to some semblance of glory with Benoit being an ECW original. I still consider consider him an ECW original since that was in the height of when ECW was getting hot. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. That car, real quick. Uh, wow, some of the people on here. We was talking about <laughs> Lance Cade and Trevor Murdoch defeated the Hardys for the tag team championships. Wow. I know, right? <laughs> Chavo Guerrero defeated Jimmy Wang Yang. Uh, that for the Cruiserweight Championship. Okay. Johnny Nitro defeated CM Punk for the ECW World Championship. Okay, it was Punk. Ah, uh, Punk. Okay, that Santino makes sense. Morella defeated Umaga by disqualification. Three. I'm just counting, and when you, and when I <laughs> when I give you when I give you why I'm counting, you're n- you're gonna be like Whoa. MVP defeated Ric Flair for the United States Champion. Ric fucking Flair defeated by MVP. That shames me. Yo, here, Deuce and Domino with Cherry. You remember that tag team defeated Jimmy Snooker and Sergeant Slaughter for the WWE Tag Team Championship. Jimmy Snooker <laughs> four. What? Edge defeated Batista by countout in the last chance match for the uh, World Heavyweight Championship. Wow. Your semi-main event, Candice Michelle defeated Molina. How was a two-minute match to semi-main? It was four minutes <laughs> and seven seconds. Oh, they doubled the two minutes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is the kicker part. You had a five-pack chance for the WWE Championship. Five-pack? With John Cena defeated Lashley, King Booker, the Queen Charmel, Mick Foley, and Randy Orton. Guess how long this match was? It's a five-pack challenge. Make a guess. 20 minutes? 20 minutes. 10 minutes. <laughs> That's and, horrible. And what was the longest match on the card? The longest match on the card was, was probably the ECW match. Edge and Batista. Oh, with wow. 16 minutes and 50 seconds. That is a short-ass paper. That show must have been like two, two the hours short, and a half hours. The shortest match was Santino Morello defeated Umaga by this qualification. That was two minutes. That was your two so minutes. So I was keeping count. <laughs> oh, and Johnny Nitro. Johnny Nitro was the replacement after Chris Benoit. Yeah. So was Johnny you Nitro. said of how of what? Murderers. No, and you just made it even more <laughs> fucked up. Thank you. Okay, so now they, that show had, by my count, two murderers and four wrestlers that were dead, possibly yeah. five, because yeah. I do believe one half of Deuce and Domino was dead. I know Umaga is. Umaga's is. dead. Benoit's dead. Keep going with that card. Name some other names, though. Umaga. Uh, Lance Cade. Lance Cade, Cade that was one. Who? No, you said Lance Cade. Yeah. Jimmy Snooker's dead. Yep. Jimmy Snooker, that was the other one. And the, he's the other murderer. And he's the other murderer, yep. And I swear one half induced a domino. I think one of them two was dead. I could be wrong, but I think one of them two was dead. Because um, one of them was, uh, was Jimmy, uh, Jimmy mm-hmm. Snooker's son. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's fucked up. <laughs> no, they're, they're both alive. Oh, they are? Okay, cool. Well, then it was only four. Sidebar? I think they said WrestleMania six might have the card with the most dead yes. wrestlers of all mm-hmm. time. Was well, like eighty five percent of that card is dead. Yeah. Okay. So Jericho Crazy. touches on William Regal's speech during the tribute show and how J- Regal seemingly sensed something more sinister about what happened. 
Uh, Sandra and David discussed how they were informed of the deaths and how they reacted in very emotional interviews. Dima Lingo, Chris Jericho, and Jim Ross all discussed the truth of the crimes coming to light. Uh, Ranzando, uh, Randazzo, I should say, then appeared to discuss the grisly details of the final weekend, beginning with Chris having a barbecue in the backyard with Daniel. Later that night, an altercation between Chris and Nancy turned violent where he restrained her with duct tape and choked her with a telephone cord before placing a Bible next to her body. There were beer cans and wine bottles strewn about, indicating that Chris had also been drinking. Saturday morning, Chris gave Daniel a Xanax, suffocating him before placing a Bible next to his body. No indication is made of the horrific rumors that he used his signature cripple across face. At this point, Chris made a... Uh, made the phone call stating that Daniel and Nancy were sick with a stomach virus and he had to take them to the hospital. Saturday night, Chris slept with the bodies of both his wife and son in the house. On Sunday, Benoit searched the internet for a Bible story about the prophet Elijah and the resurrection of a dead boy from the Old Testament. He then searched for the quickest and most painless way of breaking one's own neck. So we talked about that already. Chris entered his home gym with a half-drunken bottle of wine, used a lap pull-down machine. Okay, we did all that. Julie Malenko then speaks on the method that Chris used to kill Nancy as nearly all interviews discuss how this could have happened, and they show crime scene footage of a knife underneath Daniel's bed. That's what you're just talking about. Tonight. Yep. Uh, and it, yeah, and it just get more, what's the name? Like I said, stuff that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they said, Benoit passed all the wellness check leading up to the murders. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Grudge was uh, the middleman. Mm-hmm. The one thing they talked about was the effects of chair shot. They show footage of Jericho him Benoit during a ladder match. How how ironic that is. In Royal Rumble, yeah. <laughs> in Royal Rumble two thousand one, and then they show, of course, we all remember the flying headbutts. No, yeah. I mean we of course they linked it to. Of course, we remember the, the mm. chair shot Eddie took from JBL, which just yeah. split him open instantly. Like and that probably was the hardest chair shot ever. Text messages from Nancy to Chris discussing his steroid use and calling the WWE wellness program a joke. Yep. Chris Jericho speaks on the strictness of the wellness program while Randazzo claimed that there were many holes in the program that allowed wrestlers to slip through. Uh, Footage is shown of Vince McMahon being interviewed while showing statements from WWE indicating his actions were deliberate, not rage. Uh, Randazzo revealed that Benoit passed all wellness program checks leading up to the murders. Uh, Julie Benoit, Chris Jericho, Vicky Guerrero, and Sandra Toffolini all discuss the volatile arguments between Chris and Nancy, with Sandra discussing Nancy getting a restraining order against Chris. We talked about that. Johnny Grunge was revealed to have been much of a middleman, keeping helping keep Chris controlled during these incidents. Uh, Chris Nowinski is introduced to discuss the, yeah, the concussions. And CTE is a former wrestler and Harvard graduate. He began digging into the effects of brain damage. So it should be known that uh, Nowinski and Chris... Okay, Nowinski revealed that Benoit had approached him to discuss concussions and revealed that Chris had stated he had more concussions than he could count. Nowinski discusses speaking with Mike Benoit, Chris's father, and was able to study Chris's brain post-homously, obviously. Uh, Nowinski goes on to discuss the damage to Benoit's brain and how insane amount of blows to the head and brain can change who a person is. This was also discussed in the... uh, um, God, what the hell was his name? Hernandez. Uh, Aaron Hernandez. Yeah. The the former... Um, fuck Aaron Hernandez. Yeah, fuck him too. Um, but they, they had said that CTE might have caused him to do all those crazy yeah. shootings and stuff that mm-hmm. 
and then that's why he killed himself in prison by hanging himself. Um, no, I don't he believe just took the coward way out. That's yeah, what he did. That basically. I don't feel bad for him. Uh, Vicky and, and Jericho discussed the effects of chair shots. Uh, to the head, his footage is shown of Jericho hitting. Okay, you yeah. just talked about that. Jericho discusses how taking a he- uh, chair shot to the head was a badge of honor, as several chair shots to the head are shown. It, uh, okay. Uh, discussion of brain and spine damage happens as uh, footage is shown of the flying headbutt. Uh, Jim Ross discusses the changes made to the business following the learning of CTE and the Benoit tragedy. So that's something that should be kind of talked about. WWE. TNA, Ring of Honor, and several independents all stopped using chair shots to the head following all of this. AEW, I think, is the only company that still allows chair shots to the head. Rare. They are rare, but they do happen. Depending on it, it has to be like in a blood feud type of match. For example, yeah. um, the bar, exploding barbed wire hey, match. The exploding barbed wire match with mm-hmm. Omega and Moxley. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Yeah. Once it got to that point. All, every every chair mm-hmm. shot prior to that was to the back or ankle or a threat of one, but not actually right. one. And I know that Raven has talked about it on the Raven effect several times as well, where he says that the chair shots to the head were definitely stupid. Um, and he said, I don't know if you've ever noticed it. Uh, he, has, he had mentioned it several times and how, how you may not have noticed it, um, but he always... Uh, did this like he would always duck his head down when he took a share shot. Uh, what's his name? Um, Tommy Dreamer also said similar that he would always tuck his head and and like clinch up, yeah. So that it, the the back would take most of the brunt of it. Um, and okay, that works if you're getting hit in that area, but if you got somebody going straight for your dome, yeah, you're taking it to the dome, yeah. Period. And, and that that that's tragic and horrible. That's what Benoit did. Ugh. And those those headbutts like we talked about. Um, so we're getting down, kind of down to the wire here. So um, there's one thing that I want to talk about. Go ahead. Talk about. And something that. Uh, I got a quick one. Jericho, too. Jericho said. Mm-hmm. He said after Eddie passed, Benoit's fate was sealed. Sealed. Yeah. Like, that's the one thing that. Kind of like, I guess, subliminal messaging ahead of time. Oh, my God. When, when he said time. that, I'm just like, what the hell? You, you are 100% right. <laughs> like, that's true. Like, soon as Eddie died, Benoit's fate was filled. <laughs> what I wanted to bring up was, did you ever hear about the rumor that somebody updated his Wikipedia post yes, to him before passing? Before he died, yes. But it was updated like that Friday. Yeah, yeah. Like... And it didn't it say murder suicide too, and yep. they, and, they did, and like so, the, and no, I, and they never found out. Like no, 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 it was a seventeen year old kid that that had just been able to hack Wikipedia and change shit. But how did he know? He said it, he the kid claimed it was a joke, and obviously a seventeen year old kid isn't gonna know that that Crispin Watts murdered his wife and kid and then hung himself, and especially on that Friday before it could have possibly happened. You know, I mean, it could have been before he even murdered Nancy. It could have yeah. been. It could have been. And, you know, like, I mean, I guess this kid was, like, crying in the in the, in the police station and everything, saying, I'm sorry, I should have never done it. And, uh, you know, so the, the police didn't take it for, you know, much. But, I mean, it, it, it was still very cryptic and just yeah. like, wow. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into this little debate here. We got about 20 minutes left. Oh, uh, one more thing I do want to uh, okay. talk about. You said WWE. They talk about how WWE, they show Vince talking about how he's going to distance himself mm. from uh, Chris Benoit. Do you remember the, the, the storyline w- that was going on with Vince at that time? 
Yeah, he spelled the Don Limo explosion. Yeah, yeah the, the limo had just exploded the yeah. week before on Raw, and mm-hmm. they were going to reveal who his killer was on Raw that yeah. night. And they had that weird-ass line of all the wrestlers uh, like yeah, saluting yeah. Vince as he left the arena. And yeah. clapping and all that. Yeah. It was random. It was oh, random. my God. Uh, they talk about... Uh, but that was also right after he got his head shaved by uh, uh, Mr. President Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, it was. They uh, also talked about... Uh, i trying to remember what it was. I uh, oh, they said Chavo and Dave Malenko also... Like, they, it wasn't the same effect as uh, mm. Ben Wall's other son, but they mm. said they tried to distance themselves from Ben Wall and because he was his matches yeah. and everything like that after what happened. Like, because mm-hmm. he was like, they were real tight with him. So it's like, well, so we try to distance ourselves and everything mm-hmm. like that. So. Right. So after this episode of Dark Side of the Ring aired and all this information about him, you know, with the duct tape and the phone cord and all that yeah. and the bruising to her back and everything that he did to his son. For years, and okay, so when I got the news that this had happened, I was at my grandma's house because our power was out due to the transformer blowing up, and it was summer, so it was hot. So, you know, we went somewhere where there was air conditioning, so we didn't bake. And woke up that Monday morning, and I was expecting, you know, to watch Raw and hear, you know, Benoit's the new ECW champion, blah, blah, blah. I was all excited. And then I wake up, and my mom's like, uh, were you a fan of Chris Benoit? And I'm like, I am a fan of Chris Benoit. Yes, why? What's going on? And she's like, just watch. So my grandma had CNN on. And all of a sudden, they come right back from commercial That's break. how I found out about Benoit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Scribbing through the channel. Then they said, Chris Benoit. I'm like, wait, Chris Benoit? Yeah. And they talked about the whole month. I'm like, yeah. the fuck out of mm-hmm. here? And then I mean, they had Bret Hart on, like, I think. Mm-hmm. The next and day, they had, and they Deborah, had Chris Jericho and, and all these people. Deborah McMichaels on. was on there yeah. too, talking about how Steve got all CTE fucked up from the road rage and all that. Yeah, um, but yeah, no. So my mom's sitting there and she's like, "Just watch." And then they're like, you know, breaking news out of Atlanta: Chris Benoit has murdered his wife and son and killed himself. I'm like, "Get the fuck out of here!" And my grandma's like, "Watch your mouth," <laughs> <laughs> you know, just being a grandma. And I'm just like, "No." No, you were supposed to be in Houston winning the ECW championship. What are you doing murdering your wife and kid? Like, you know, like, and that, like, that was the first thing that popped into my head. Like, what the hell is going on? And, like, they still, they had the rumor that it was a murder-suicide. They hadn't really confirmed it yet. And then I watched that tribute on Raw that night. And then the next night on ECW, Vince comes out and says, we will no longer mention Chris Benoit and his his legacy is erased. And for decades... That was the, yeah. For decades, I was one of the people that said, yes, this is tragic. Yes, this is something that we need, you know, it needs to be taken into consideration. But everything that Benoit had done up to that point, he he still deserved to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. After watching Dark Side of the Ring and hearing just how violent everything happened, the, you know, the, the death to Nancy was and what he did to his son and the fact that he took a coward's way out by trying to kill himself painlessly while his <laughs> wife and son suffered. And he left the de- their dead bodies in the house for two days. I changed my mind. And I said, you know what? Leave him out. His, his fate was sealed June 25th, 2007. That's something JR said. They asked JR, they're like, do you think Bill Walsh should go to the Hall of Fame? 
And he was like, I think Chris himself wouldn't want to go in because it would be that much of a distraction. distraction. Not only that, but, you know, Chris Jericho told the story on there where, where he screwed up um, taking a bump in Japan. And he was in the back taking 50 squats. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he said that he did that because he was ashamed of his performance. So I also think that Benoit himself wouldn't want to be in because he knows that this is a blemish, on not him. only on yeah, him. Yeah, he's that hard on himself. Yeah. Not, not only on him, but on the business itself. I think when he decided to come to the the realization that he was going to murder his wife and his kid, he wrote all his history off. Like, everything you did before that means nothing because you just tainted it all, bro. Like, that doesn't exactly. – you can say, oh, yeah, he's a great wrestler, isn't it? But you can never forget what you did. They're always associated. They always go hand in hand. Now, the other part of it you brought up that I do think, I don't know how you bring it up without bringing up that situation, but I do believe Nancy's career is, uh, she should go in the hall. She was definitely one of the. But how do you do it? And that and that's kind of where I'm stuck. You know, and uh, George said, I think WWE should have been more aware of the depression issues and acknowledge that there was more mental issues at hand. I, I know, agree. You it's know, the same guys that had Brian Pillman's wife on TV, like what, like, like a day after, or two after oh that happened? Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I had, I had totally forgotten that. Yeah. yeah. And she, you, you could tell she had wanted nothing at all to do with that conversation. She's like, my, my husband's dead. Will you leave me alone? And Vince just kept pushing and pushing and asking th- questions that he said he wouldn't ask, ask prior to. I, exactly. Yeah. And thank God for Dark Side of the Ring, man, because I'd forgotten a lot of that stuff about Pillman. And then my my uh, my fiance Megan says, Chris, no to WWE Hall of Fame. Woman, yes to WWE Hall of Fame. And that's kind of where I'm at, too. Because I look at it like with China, and they kept saying because of her porn history, they didn't want to put her that's in. That's what I was about to so bring up. So they grouped her with DX. How do you, screw that? How do you how do you do it for Nancy? Because when did the Horseman go in? Because that's the mm-hmm. only group I can say you could really put her in with. Or if Sandman goes in, I guess. I don't know if Sandman's ever going to go in there. I don't. Though. I don't think so either. But I mean, yeah. she she could be in there by herself, just because of the fact that there really wa- wasn't anybody like her at the time that she got into the business. I think Kevin Sullivan was actually quite brilliant in in making that female valet character of I don't know if she was woman back then I don't think she was um but you know when when she started with Sullivan and then you know like she her sister was talking that she would you know fix the guy's tights in the back she would you know so she sewed all those costumes herself when she was originally with yes. Sullivan and FCW you know and she kind of was like the you know like a backstage like mother figure for some of these guys you know, where he, and I mean, the stuff she did in, in ECW with Sandman was awesome. The stuff she did in w, WCW with Taskmaster before they put her with the Horseman. And then afterwards, you know, that, that whole storyline with her and Benoit was was excellent. You know, regardless of, of whatever tragedy befell of Nancy, it's it's not Nancy's fault. I don't, I just don't know how we address her career without bringing that up. That's I mean, that sucks. The, here's a way I thought of it is like, if you watch during the pandemic, well, actually you did say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say it was this year's and not last year's. It was one or the other, but mm-hmm. the hall of fame ceremony was hosted. Matter of fact, no, they canceled last year's and only did mania. And, so and they, they did, did two they this did year. So it was this, this year. Now yeah. they had, um, Corey Graves and they had, um, 
uh, Caleb Braxton. Mm-hmm. They had them host, and yeah. when they talked about like older wrestlers, they did it like in a video tribute. Right. Maybe they could do it like that, where it's not necessarily brushing past it, but mm-hmm. it's uh, addressing her career without having to establish like all people's thoughts about it, and then possibly accidentally tripping over like, the senses of bringing up the yeah. tragedy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, type yeah, yeah. of a thing. Like like they um, used to do in the past, where they had like the not not they weren't necessarily honorable mentions, but they were like legacy. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And like they weren't they, the people they, that had to that give. That might a speech. be how you have to do it. Mm-hmm. Or and, and I know that. Uh, Chris Benoit is in the Pro Wrestling Illustrated uh, Hall of Fame, and there was actually a poll that was put out to have him voted out because of the murders. Yeah, and and uh, and the thing is, my they thing. had the readers vote on it to see if he should be taken out or not, and they didn't get enough votes it, to remove him. It. It's tough because when you think of Chris Benoit, you, you think, think of, of all of his great, great matches moments, and moments. He will yes. always be hampered by this. You, you mentioned never in this. a way, right. in a way, kind of like OJ, mm-hmm. All Star Hall of Fame running back. But when you think of OJ, don't think of his football career. You think of the murder. You think of the murder. Yeah, you think of that. Uh, was, uh, like back to what I was talking about the vice versa. Yeah. Triple H said they asked Triple H on Stone Cold's uh on Stone Cold's podcast before he became the Broken Skull. Yeah, they asked him like, "So, uh, China? I mean, you think she should get into the Hall of Fame?" You he know? said yes, but he it would be a yes. detriment to the WWE because of her porn career. He said he didn't say he, exactly the way he said he said career. like this. He said, "Well, he said, he said she had yeah, like a troubling past after, or something." Decisions yeah. she made after leaving the WWE. What were the, no, he ain't no. Go ahead, go ahead. That's what he said in the vice versa. When they showed him the mm. vice versa. He said she should. He like, but I have an eight year old daughter at home. Yeah, and she can and when Google she type her. in and when she type in China's name, what they pops up is the porn. The porn. What, actually, that's that's not true. That is not true. I know it's Google not true. is that heavily was, sanitized. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you type up China, they said. talk about her wrestling career. Right. They yeah. don't instantly jump to her you porn career. You actually physically have to type in the words China, China porn, porn exactly. for it to come up. <laughs> and then at that on Google, if you type in the word porn, they be like, "Oh, we don't have any results for you." You got to go to another search engine like Bing or something like that in order to actually yeah. find that with China right. associated. Right. And most people in the world, if they're gonna search, they're usually either gonna go on their phone to Surrey or they're gonna go to Google, mm. and if that's the first result that's going to come up, like, how can we necessarily say that she's not going to be known for the wrestling part? Now, this is my and, thing. And not only that, okay, so so here's the crazy thing. Like, like talking between us as, I don't want to call us Marks, but we're Marks, <laughs> you know. Um, I've been called worse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, when we think of Chris Benoit, we think of his wrestling career. Yes. The, the murders are just a side note. And not to say that the murders aren't important, but when we think of China, we think of all the things that she did outside of yeah. one night in China and and all the other yeah, stuff. Yeah, I don't think of it. I don't think of her wrestling career. I think of her wrestling career. I think of her as the first female intercontinental champion. I think of all the great stuff that she did as, as uh, Mama Sita with with Eddie Guerrero. I think of her as that time with DX. She could have been bigger than Stone Cold. Like that's how much the first woman to ever be her. in a Royal Rumble. Yeah, that's the stuff I think about. I don't think about one night in China and her and, porn career and all and that stuff. I don't think celebrity about that. rehab and all that stuff. I mean, it happened. Yeah, it happened. That's why if you watch the Vice Versa of China, like it's, I, it's real good. But the thing mm-hmm. is, I if you watch it, I'm I want you to watch it. This depend I I get from it. China never should have came back to America. She should have stayed in Japan. 
yeah. thing was she had issues with her visa. She had to come back to America. Right. And that's when it kind of like went downhill mm. again for her. Well, not only that, but I mean, she sure. did have a very bad substance abuse issues. And, you know, she was on several seasons of celebrity rehab. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, this was part in the vice versa where her, yeah. her, her manager is literally trying to got Dr. Drew on the phone mm-hmm. and he's trying to like get convinced Dr. Drew to let her buy like some drugs off the yeah, black yeah, market. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like talking about, oh, it helps her sleep and everything. Dr. Drew like, no. One, he like, you get anything off the black market like that, you're going to kill her. Like, right. And he like, well, it's just like, like, yeah. So I think we're all kind of on the same page. Uh, Chris Benoit, no, to WWE <laughs> Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. But now my thing is this: he's not in, and further, he don't get in. Do you take? Can't take it's a fish tissue, fish tissue building anyway. Yep. Do you remove Jimmy Snooker? I think Snooker and Hogan should have been removed for for their actions. I agree too. I agree. Y'all take Snooker out. I absolutely agree, but they're not gonna take Hogan out. And even if they did, they'll put him back. Because now Hogan, they put him back in last year. That's what I was just about to say. He's now in twice. He's in once as Hulk Hogan, and he's in once for the NWO. They're slowly letting him back in now anyway. So yeah, and then that's the case. You got to run down the gamut. Dynamite (laughs) Kid, you're out. There's a couple other cats back in the day that did some horrible shit too. You're Mm -hmm. out. Grizzly Smith, you're You're out. out. Oh, definitely. Oh God, Grizzly Smith. Oh my God, he's definitely out. Yeah. You want to talk about a a two-hour thing that we can do on on some fucked up shit in wrestling? Exactly. Let's let's talk about that dark side of the ring. Exactly. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. You got a whole bunch of guys from back in the day that did some shit. Y'all out. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, this was awesome. Thank you so much for coming in and doing this with me. Yeah, no problem. Thank yeah. you, no problem. Um, you know, we we might be doing this again where we talk Grizzly Smith and and uh, Jake the Snake. So, but uh, so that, much fun for Jake the Snake after watching oh, watching the one on Grizzly Smith, man. Like, so much of his past makes sense now. It does. I love Dark Side, man. You, <laughs> they get to real, man. Yeah, I can't wait for the plane ride from hell episode. Oh God. I get that one. There's a bunch I can't wait. I can't wait on the one on Luna Bashan. They said like she had like a. Uh, uh. <laughs> they said she had a journey. Be nice to see Gang- yeah. Be nice to see Gangrel again too. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we're gonna wrap it up for the, this episode of Money's Crazy Mind. And just remember, next week, uh, this is gonna be close to our official time slot. Now we're gonna be moving to eight thirty to ten thirty possibly 8 to 10. We're going to figure all that out, but that's going to be the new time slot moving forward. Next week, I don't know what we're going to talk about yet. I keep changing my mind on what I want to talk about. I do want to get into a little bit of the NWO because next week is July 7th, which is the night of Bash at the Beach, Uh, 1996, the night that the NWO was officially declared, and they declared war on WCW. So we'll definitely briefly touch on that since we did do my favorite wrestler unfortunately. Uh, uh, since we already did do an NWO <laughs> uh, episode but we will be talking again next week and uh, I will see everybody next week until then for uh, Rob and Clint hold on shoot this I know you'll show. should we do it one time man because I kind of missed I, I kind of missed talking about my Joe Schiavone yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean yeah we don't know, I don't know go ahead do the shit home man. I don't know the next time we're going to get a chance to do it so let me warn the pipes up. <laughs> Fuck Tony Schiavone! Schiavone! <laughs> Schiavone! Tony, Tony, as Britt Baker will say. And literally, that's her Twitter thing. Every now she puts them, she put the... Uh-huh. The <laughs>
Yeah, I had. I'm sorry, I had to. Man. I walked in <laughs> and, 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 and Tony had a Tony moment. That's <laughs> what I'm about to go home and do now. <laughs> he had a Tony moment. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks so much for being here. This was like no problem. All right, uh, until next week. Have a week, everybody. All right. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Money's Crazy Mind. This one was a tough one to try to get through. I don't know if you could kind of hear that, but once we got into the murders part of talking about Chris and talking about Nancy and talking about, you know, the the unfortunate tragedy that befell the family, um, it got a little tough for us. But I want to thank the guys from Hot Tag Wrestle Corner from coming on, Rob and Clint. And um, I hope to have those guys on again one day to kind of talk about some other wrestling stuff. And yeah, I'm just now getting used to wanting to talk about wrestling again. You know, the, the nostalgia part of it, at least. Um, you know, we did the NWO, and I do kind of want to talk the cruiserweight division of WCW. Obviously, the 83 weeks that... Uh, WCW beat WWE in the ratings. That would be a good topic. So there's a lot of good stuff. And I'm going to investigate these couple of episodes because they all seem to be about 10 minutes short. And the crazy thing is, is that, you know, obviously I did these episodes live. And I know we started and ended on time. So I want to find out why they're all 10 minutes short. Or at least th these are. There's been a few that have been good. But uh, this one and the one I did before, the OJ, are coming up just a little bit short. And uh, update, next week's Money's Crazy Mind will be the last Money's Crazy Mind with these uh, special intros that I'm doing. And the other reason that that is even being done with next week's episode, where we're going to drop or do the intro and everything is just because we use some music that we don't I don't personally own the copyright rights to. So uh next week will be the last week with these new uh intros and then the last week's episode and every episode moving forward <clears throat> will not have those intros. So I hope you guys enjoyed these little intros that I have been doing for these episodes that I forgot to post cuz I'm just a very busy man, you know, but uh, from here on out, the episodes will go up every Friday, and as long as I'm not using any copyrighted music, you know, the they will just be the straight episodes straight from our, our uh, Redline Radio stream. So, hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Have a week.